Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, March 29th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181 and make sure you tell them I sent you. Now, yesterday on Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram, all forms of social media, at Danny Picard. But yesterday on Instagram, I put a video up of the David Ortiz thank you t-shirts that are being made only right here at Beantown Athletics. They're a -a one-of-a-kind t-shirt, has a picture of David Ortiz on the front, and then on the back, it says thank you over his number. His number is 34. As you know, this is the David Ortiz farewell tour, his final season in Major League Baseball. Uh, They gave him a little send-off at his final home spring training game yesterday. But uh, on yesterday's podcast, I teased the T-shirts that they are making here at Beantown Athletics, which you can get at BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call or swing by the shop because they have them right here in the shop at 132 Granite Ave in Dorchester, Massachusetts. And and when I put that video up on Instagram, it's funny yesterday, I I give you the video of the T-shirt being made coming out. People are up in arms about... uh, Instagram changes, and I haven't seen a difference. Now, last night, I took my phone, and there was, uh, I had to download something, some upgrade. You know, they always give you an upgrade every couple months. Usually, I put it off. I I put that upgrade off. Like, I, I never do it right away. I finally did it, and then you have to update Instagram, but people are going nuts on Twitter and Facebook about how Instagram is changing, and I don't really notice a difference. Now, maybe I have to wait a little bit to see that difference, and maybe the difference hasn't even been made yet, and they're just teasing it, and they've let us know that it's going to change. I have no idea. Apparently, you have to turn notifications on to follow a person, which makes no fucking sense, because if you follow someone, you're basically choosing to look at their photos, so why would you have to follow someone and then turn their notifications on? Wouldn't it be... If you follow that person, the notification should be on anyways. I don't get it. I don't understand. And in fact, people are going nuts about it. I've tried to see the, the difference or a difference. I don't see one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Instagram. It's business as usual for me on Instagram. I don't know what you want to do. You want to hit the, the notifications on? You want to just follow me? Will you be able to see my shit? I have no idea. Uh, but right now... As far as I am understanding the way Instagram works to this day, and I've had Instagram for a while. You go to my page, at Danny Picard, right? It's what, Instagram.com slash Danny Picard? Is that what it is if you look at it on a computer? I've been posting pictures for a couple years now. I think dating back to like 2012 when it first launched. So um, I haven't seen any changes the last 24 hours to my Instagram. And, and... Maybe that will change, but as of right now, for me, business as usual on Instagram. So yesterday, I posted a video of these David Ortiz t-shirts. You can get them at Beantown Athletics. Everybody's asking about them, and uh, you know you might want to get them now 
before the season begins. Opening day for the Red Sox is Monday. They are going to be in Cleveland. It looks like it's going to be a cold one. Looks like it's going to be a cold one on Monday. Now, the Major League Baseball season, I'll I'll get back to a couple Red Sox things in just a minute, but the Major League Baseball season begins Sunday. The Red Sox begin Monday. There are a couple games that open the year on Sunday, a day before the Red Sox begin, and and it the Sunday night game is in the news today. And I just tweeted it out. You can follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. I tweeted a link. This is coming from Hardball Talk, NBC Sports, baseball coverage, because the Sunday night game, right, it's Sunday night baseball, opening night, they're calling it. It's the Mets versus the Royals. It's a rematch of the World Series. And if you watch the playoffs, if you watch the World Series, it was pretty damn exciting. And one of the more dramatic scenes in the World Series was Game 3 as the series came back to Queens. Well, we went back to New York. First two in Kansas City. The Royals won both games, right? They had a 2 nothing series lead. Noah Syndergaard on the mound. Kid throws 102 miles an hour. And going into the game, they were asking him about how he's going to deal with Escobar. Escobar was the Royals' leadoff hitter, and he was swinging at every first-pitch fastball, and he was doing a good job of it because he was, um, you know, he was producing by, by using that strategy. And Syndergaard was asked about it. And going into game three, he said, you know what? I got a couple tricks up my sleeve. And what we thought was going to happen which is what we thought he was teasing, which was he was going to go up and in on Escobar. So, you know, and I have, by the way, I have no problem with that. I don't have, a, I don't have any problem whatsoever. If there's a guy in a groove and he feels too comfortable and the whole Royals team feels too comfortable at the plate and you want to, you know, buzz the tower, you want to get him, get him thinking, hey, he's going to come inside, be my guest. I actually don't think guys do that enough in this day and age in Major League Baseball. Because there's that sensitivity factor. I'm already seeing some of the sensitivity on Twitter when I posted this story. I retweeted it sort of in a subtweet fashion. I said, oh boy, at the top. Because the story is the Royals are now seeking, they, they are telling the media, they're going to seek retribution on opening night as the Royals and the Mets play Sunday Night Baseball. They're going to seek retribution for a pitch that Syndergaard threw at Escobar in Game 3. He went up and in. Now, people say, well, he didn't really go in. He just went up. Well, it was in enough combined with Syndergaard teasing that he was going to do that. He was already in their head. And the fact that the ball went back to the backstop was a sign, "Uh uh-oh, he really meant it. And I think he got him thinking. And he got Escobar thinking. Now, what the, the Royals scored a run in that first inning of Game 3 of the World Series. Still. But the bottom line is this. Syndergaard going into Game 3. He teased he was going to have a plan for Escobar, who was swinging at first pitch fastballs. He felt too comfortable at the plate. And Syndergaard went up with a 98-mile-per-hour fastball to begin the game. And it went back to the backstop. It wasn't necessarily inside. But I think it was inside and up enough where it was a wild pitch combined with him threatening to do it where I, I, I think it was eye-opening. It was, oh, you want to you go there? That's what we're doing? That's what we're doing tonight? You know, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. But the Royals remember it, and they are telling the media, apparently, that Sunday Night Baseball, they are going to seek retribution. 
Edison Volquez is on the mound for Kansas City. Matt Harvey's going to be on the mound for the Mets. And uh, I'm expecting Volquez to, to go up, maybe a little in. Maybe he plunks someone in the back to open the game, to open the season. I, I, I love it. And people, you know, some people can complain all they want. Uh, I love the drama that goes with it. Now, no one's, no one's, uh, you know, w- wanting and praying for someone to get hurt here. I don't want someone to get hit in the head and go down with a concussion. But, you, you know, we're not, we're not asking for that. But I do think that what we used to see in the past with guys maybe, you know, little chin music. Look, these guys are good. These guys are pros. They have control of their pitches. They know what they're doing. I think Syndergaard knew exactly what he was doing. He knew he wasn't going to hit Escobar on the head. But what he wanted to do was, you know, send a message that, all right, this pitch is going to be a little wild, and I do throw 100 miles per hour, so it's going to get you thinking. And it's going to make you feel a little bit less comfortable. That's all that was. And if the Royals want to do the same thing, throw the same threat out there, and maybe Volquez to open the game, you know, he throws one similar upstairs, a little bit wild, just wild enough to get the Mets thinking, okay, this is we're back, you know, they're, they're coming for us. I'm all right with it. I'm fine with it. I can't wait, actually. I love the drama. I love that this story's out there because, you know, I'm jacked up about the Major League Baseball season beginning because now we have another week where we got to talk about this stuff. And on Friday, I'm going to give my prediction for the Major League Baseball season. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not sensitive when it comes to pitches, sending a message, seeing a team or a player a little bit too comfortable, especially when you get into a playoff series and you get a rivalry with two teams. I mean, it's great. Oh, is this a... The Mets, Royals, this a rivalry. I don't, I don't know if you can go there, given the fact that uh, they're not going to play each other every single year because one's a National League team and one's an American League team. But where you played in the World Series, you had that Syndergaard-Escobar situation, and now you got the Royals making a similar threat that Syndergaard made, and you'd think that maybe Volquez is going to back it up on opening night to begin the season. I'm, I'm all in. Sign me up. I will be... On the couch with my popcorn Sunday night, waiting to see the benches clear. <laughs> I can't wait. And it might be, it might be, people say it might be stupid. It might be unnecessary. Yeah, it's not going to be a brawl. The benches might clear. Guys might yell at each other. It's going to be awesome. I love it. Get me to that game, though. We got a whole week where now we have to think about it and talk about it. And guess what? I think there's a reason this is coming out. I think there's a method to the Royals' madness. The report is not coming from any specific source, but I think it said multiple sources. People must be sort of hinting at it behind the scenes. And I think this reporter kind of is getting the vibe that that the Royals wanted out there. So he threw it out there knowing that that they want it out there. And um, they want it out there for a full week. They want the Mets thinking. Much like the Mets wanted the Royals and Escobar thinking going into game three of the World Series. Oh, it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. Anyone complaining about it? Come on. This is, this is now we're getting into some meaningful baseball. We already, we already have drama between the now defending World Series champ and the defending National League champ. You, in fact, not only am I thinking uh, opening night, opening day, opening week, get me... Get me through the summer. Get me to late September. Get me to October. Because I was just watching clips of that World Series. And, you know, it's just, 
there's nothing like postseason baseball. Postseason baseball is unbelievable. Just the, the you can feel it. You know, you watch that video of Syndergaard going up and in on Escobar. I should say up and a little in or in enough to get him a little bit uncomfortable. I get it. It wasn't in too tight, but it was in enough. Giving out hot he throws. You watch that clip. You can just feel the buzz. You can feel the buzz, right? It's just a different scene. It's a different atmosphere. Like opening day, people will be in the building. There'll be a buzz because it's opening day. But people will just be happy to be there. You're just happy to be there. You're happy to watch meaningful baseball. In the playoffs, yeah, you're happy to be there, but you're jacked up. You're on your feet. There's a special buzz in the building, right? And, and especially you get a pitch like that to begin the game when he told you he was going to do it. I'm, now I'm like, get me to fucking October. I don't even want Can we somehow get through the season and get to October? And when you get to October, look, I hope the Red Sox are there. And I've had to listen to everybody and their mother talk about this team in this town. Um, if you listen to me and you listen to this podcast or you see me on TV or, you know, you listen to my weekend radio show on WEI or you read my column every week in the Boston Metro, I think... You know where I stand with this club. You know, I love the moves that they made with the pitching. You got David Price. You got Craig Kimbrell. You got Carson Smith, who's going to begin on the DL. And I don't, again, I don't know how optimistic I am about some type of forearm cramping or forearm injury. That doesn't really sound good to me. I, I, I feel like, and I don't have a, I don't have exact stats on this or exact numbers, but I feel like most of the time when you hear a pitcher has some type of forearm injury, I just feel like that never ends well. Maybe he comes back that season, but I feel like that's going to come up again, and ultimately we'll be talking about a visit to uh, Dr. James Andrews. Like, I just feel like that stuff, you know what I mean? I just, that, the forearm stuff, I never feel good about. And I I don't have an exact stat, or a, I didn't take a poll, I... I don't have a list of all the guys who have had forearm tightness or cramping or whatever, and, and I don't have the end result of all those injuries. But I guess my, my reaction to it is I feel like most of the time when you hear about a forearm injury, it never ends well. But well, I'll, I'll try my best to remain optimistic. Now, if, they, if, if God forbid something happens to Carson Smith where he is out a very long period of time and something very serious happens to his arm, Am I going to tell you the season's over? No. But, you know, you need to find a way to get some guys in that bullpen like a Matt Bonds to, you know, Matt Bonds, you need something from Koji, obviously Tazawa at some point. What, you know, when are you going to get Workman into the mix? He's going to begin the season on the DL, obviously, as well. Uh, And then you get to the rotation. Right now, you know, Stephen Wright, the knuckleball, is going to take that number five spot. You know how I feel about Eduardo Rodriguez. I think Eddie Rodriguez has all the stuff in the world to be the number two behind David Price in this rotation, but uh, he's going to begin on the DL as well because he tweaks something in his knee. I think this is they're being, they're being overly cautious with him, and I'm fine with that. But the moves the Red Sox made, forget about Carson Smith. Let's just talk about Price and Kimbrell. You know, you see them make those moves, and I have to, like, I, I drive home from the studio, and I have to listen to people talk about this team. And... Say, well, they got that, but there's no way you should be talking about them in contention for the division. And I'm going, wait a minute, what? What else did you want them to do? 
of course, I told you I also wanted them to trade for a pitcher. Now, let's say they tried to do that, and, and it just didn't work out. There's still an opportunity to do so before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline. And, you know, now the name that's out there is San Diego, James Shields. Could he be coming to the Red Sox? Could he be going to maybe Baltimore? Uh, is Pablo Sandoval on the move? Because San Diego, that's who James Shields plays for. They signed him to that big deal. You know, San Diego's been scouting the Red Sox. They've been scouting Pablo Sandoval. People are putting the pieces together, trying to connect the dots and saying maybe there's some type of deal to be had between these two teams between now and opening day. Who knows? Between now and, and you know, the trade deadline. It might die for a little bit, and it might come back up at the deadline, James Shields' name. Who knows? But, you know, when, when we talk about this Red Sox pitching staff, it certainly was the thing that needed to improve the most. As upset as we were about Hanley, and his lack of production, as upset as we were about Pablo and his lack of production, and as upset as we were, and really I was, to begin spring training the way those two guys began it, I don't think it was an overreaction. But, you know, you got to let, at the same time, as upset as I was, you got to let it play out. Like, I got to let this thing play out. And when you see it play out, and you look at the improvements they've made by spending some money on price, and making the trade for Kimbrel, I mean, how can you not be happy with those moves? And how can you not sit here and say they're going to contend for the AL East? Because they are going to contend for the AL East. At least they have a much better chance to do so right now than they did without Price and without Kimbrel last year. Of course there's questions the rest of the rotation. Of course there's questions with Buckholz. Of course there's questions with Rick Porcello. And, and even more so because of his contract. Of course, we don't know what Joe Kelly's going to do when the pressure gets back on him to begin the season, right? Of course. And, and, and even with the guys I just told you that were injured, Carson Smith, Eddie Rodriguez, yeah, I guess we don't know how those injuries are going to play out. Could they turn into something more serious? There's always the possibility. You hope it doesn't. But all of these things we got to let play out. But, I mean, I just think it's crazy to sit here without the regular season even beginning and and thinking or having a conversation saying, like, I heard people get knocked and crushed and sort of mocked and made fun of because they looked at the price and the Kimberl acquisitions and they, they said, well, yeah, now you can contend, you can be in contention for the division. Like, why is that crazy to think that? I, I don't understand. Because you got another year of Mookie Betts under his belt. Um, you know, I, I do think that a real thing in this clubhouse is playing for David Ortiz. I think there's a real motivation there. The GM of the Red Sox, Mike Hazen, he was on this podcast. He joined me a couple months ago. Go back in the archives and listen. I, I didn't even ask him about that. And when we were talking about some guys and what their off seasons were like, he said, well, listen, you know, he went out of his way. He said, when I meet with some of these guys and I talk with some of them, there is a real motivation here in which these guys want to send David Ortiz out the right way. You know, sure, there's a farewell tour. He's going to be getting fucking rocking chairs made out of baseball bats. You name it. He's going to be getting some of the most ridiculous farewell gifts that you could possibly come up with all season long. But they don't want it to end there. The guys in this clubhouse, guys like Pedroia, even someone like David Price, 
who has a little history with David Ortiz, they're, they're playing for this guy. And I don't care what you say about maybe the rest of the talent in the rotation. Um, if you can get Eddie Rodriguez into the fold and you put yourself in position to be in playoff contention around the trade deadline, guess what you do? You have the prospects still to make a major trade to go out and get another starting pitcher. You know, is it going to be James Shields? I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I'm sitting here telling you you got to go out and get James Shields because I think as people have they're having this conversation today, trade James, you know, get James Shields, trade Sandoval to San Diego, get rid of Sandoval. All right, look, if you can get a starting pitcher who can be your, your, your number two, possibly number three, and Sandoval has to go, you know I'm a pitching guy. As much as I'm willing to give Sandoval another shot here, I mean, you're not going to find me you're not going to find me battling or arguing against that trade. I'm a pitching guy. You need it. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest James Shields fan in the world, but if that's a deal you think you can get done without giving up major prospects, all right. You got Travis Shaw. You know, at some point, who knows? I mean, you got Brock Holt at the same time. Don't forget about him. Um, you can make, there are things that you can do at that third base spot. I mean, Yes, I'd go get the pitcher. If you could do it, go ahead. I'm not going to sit here and argue that, even though I do think Sandoval should get a second shot here. As upset as I was at him at the beginning of spring training because of his attitude, I also think maybe the competition with Travis Shaw could be a good thing, could be a motivational factor, right? And and I'd like, I'm curious to see how that would play out. I, I am. I'm curious to see how that would play out. But if you don't even want to risk it and you want to get a pitcher in here and Sandoval's the guy to go, all right, fine. I'm not the biggest James Shields fan in the world, but I'm. But, but you're not going to see me arguing against that trade. Not for one second. Because you need pitching. And, and, and the more pitching you get, the better. You can never have too much starting pitching. You can't. Right? Just can't. Just You just can't have too much of it. So that's the Red Sox biggest downfall the last couple of years. Dominant starting pitching. They added a dominant starter in David Price. But all the other pieces they have, you know, the young kids, Mookie Betts. I still think Castillo, he has something to prove. You know, this is it for him. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, look, every one of these guys has some type of question mark over their head. I get it. But, I mean, I'm excited to watch it. And and what some people are trying to do when I got out there listening is they're trying to take the excitement level away because they say, well, yeah, you added Price and Kimbrell, but but it's not going to be enough to contend for the division. Well, how the fuck do you know? One. Two, if they didn't go out and get... See, some of these people are never going to be happy because if they didn't get Price and they didn't trade for Kimbrell, they'd be crushing Dombrowski, they'd be crushing Hazen, they'd be crushing ownership, so they were going to crush this team and this organization either way. They were. I mean, some people were. You just have to sort of accept it and maybe don't listen and maybe tune it out. But at some point, we got to play ball. And you're going to see how this thing plays out. And I'm just telling you, from a perspective of when you go back to the end of last season, when the offseason first began, when the winter first began, and you would have come up with a list of things the Red Sox needed. What what was on the top of the list? An ace. A number one starter. Okay? Rotation. Fix the rotation. Now, based on some of the things that happened at, at last season and how bad it was, 
uh, you might, you're going to need a pretty big fix. But for all the guys that were out there available, you signed David Price to a contract. He was one of the best pitchers available this offseason, if not the best. And you got him. He's on the Red Sox. So you, you check, you don't just check that box off. You check it, you highlight it, you underline it, you say, we got our guy, we got our starter, we got our race. And then what else is on that list? Bullpen. And not just bullpen, closer. You need a closer. You think your rotation's going to improve by getting an ace? All right. Guess what you do, huh? You also got Carson Smith. You, you, you think you, you fix your middle relief? Well, if you think you're going to get to the back end of that bullpen, you want someone who can shut down games. You don't think Koji's that guy anymore. He's getting older. He was banged up the last couple years. Uh, go out and get the short thing. They, they traded for the best closer in the game, for crying out loud. And I still think some of the people that talk about this team and, and about this league on TV shows and radio shows in this town, they don't even know how to pronounce Kimbrell's name, which is fucking embarrassing because he's the best closer in baseball. But yet they're not even acknowledging that. They're like, oh, you got to get there first. Well, wait a minute. Let's back it up for a second. Because when you give me your list of things the Red Sox need this offseason, the top two things were ace and elite closer. They got both of them. They got both of them. So you're going to take that, see that they got, they fulfilled those needs. They're getting another year, and you got Mookie Betts coming back. You got that outfield, which defensively is insane. Xander Bogarts hit fucking 320 last year. I mean, what? You're not excited to see him with another season under his belt? Dustin Pedroia's, you hope he can be healthy this year? I mean, I love the fact that I know Christian Vasquez is, is on the DL to start the season, but I still think they're taking a sweet time with him. He's going to be behind the plate at some point. He's going to be throwing out guys who are trying to steal on this, on this pitching staff. I mean, I'm excited about it. They, they got their guys in the offseason, but that's not good enough for some people. Like, now they got all their guys. They fulfilled their needs. People are still not willing to say they're in – they, they can be in contention for the division. And I, I don't know what else they could have done this offseason to prove to those people. Like, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. They got David Price and Craig Kimbrell. It, it's just, at some point, you got to look at those moves and think to yourself, wow, this is exactly, exactly what this team needed. And yes, this division is, this division isn't, you know, they don't have one. I know Toronto was this team everybody's excited about. Don't forget, they added David Price last year at the deadline, Toronto. I know they got Stroman. Stroman's a good young pitcher. He's a very good young pitcher. He's an exciting kid to watch. Uh, he's got some nasty stuff. I think he's going to be very good this season. And, uh, you know, he's going to help that Toronto team. And, and they got Tulowitzki. I get it. Donaldson, Tulowitzki, Batista, you name it. Even more than that, go up and down their lineup. They're an exciting club. But you go, but but let's not hide from the fact that when Toronto acquired David Price, David Price helped them get into the playoffs. Like he was a major part of that. David Price was nasty at the end of that regular season. And and I don't want to say he took that team on his back, but he it, it was pretty close to it, if you remember the end of that regular season. Without David Price, you know, I don't know that, that Toronto 
is having that exciting postseason. Right? I don't know that they are. Don't forget that they lost him. The Yankees, their bullpen, you know, Tanaka's nasty, Pineda's nasty. I think Severino might be the best pitcher that they have. Luis Severino is filthy. The problem is there's going to be an innings limit, a major innings limit on him, and he's not going to be able to go all season long. He's just not. And when you factor in Pineda is a Band-Aid, Tanaka is a Band-Aid, you know, how, how confident is anybody with the Yankees? Honestly. Like, I'm not sitting there going, all right, they have this rotation and this pitching staff. We know what the back end is. I know they added Chapman. He's going to be suspended for, what, the first 30 games or so? And they got Miller. They got Batances. I get it. They it, Not only is it, you know, a, a seven-inning game, and now when, when Chapman gets back from his suspension, it could be a six-inning game against the Yankees. I understand that. But I don't know that I look at their rotation and think, they're going to be lights out dominant all year long when you look at the resume of Pineda and the resume of Tanaka, these are guys that get banged up. Like you're almost, you're not asking if they're going to get hurt. You're asking when. The way we feel about Buckholz, I think you got to look at those two guys, Pineda Tanaka, and, and sort of feel the same way. Like when they're healthy, they have all the tools to be successful pitchers in this league. But they, I think you're just sort of expecting them to get banged up at some point this season. And the Orioles? I mean, how many years now is this that Tillman's their opening day starter? I, if I'm an Oriole fan, <laughs> I mean, go out and get me pitching. That's why you're hearing James Shields' name with Baltimore. But, you know, I just, I can't look at the Orioles and take them too seriously either. They'll be a good team, but they're not anybody that I'm too scared of. And Tampa Bay, yeah, we know what Chris Archer is. Good young pitcher, all-star, uh, probably will be an all-star now next couple of years. I could see that happening. He's got the stuff to be that type of pitcher. But, um, you know, I, I, I still don't look at this division and think the Red Sox can't win it. In fact, the Red Sox made the moves that they needed to make to put themselves back in the discussion of AL East contenders. I, and I think, I think they made those moves. But there's some people that will tell you, it wasn't enough. And, and, and look, I've sat here and said many times that I also wanted them to trade for another starting pitcher, but I'll also tell you that the trade deadline is until August 1st this year. All right? Is until August 1st. So you got some time. You get off to a good start. You get some, you know, you, you, if Clay Buckholt stays healthy, I know it's a big if, but, but you got to look at it that way. Maybe he's part of a package with some prospects to a team, you know, to, to go out and, and, and get a proven start and pitcher down the stretch. I mean, this time to make something happen and the pieces that they added in the meantime are going to help them win some more games to keep them in the discussion of can you get into the playoffs? You know, the division would be nice, but you can still win a wild card and get in. You can still win a wild card and make it interesting. Stay in the race. That's all the Red Sox are trying to do is stay in the race. And if you think the moves that they made this offseason are not going to keep them in the race, well, I, I, then, then 
then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, apparently, you're never going to be happy with anything that this Red Sox team does. But we got to play ball. We got to play ball. And it's coming. Monday, Red Sox opening day in Cleveland. And any news that breaks between now and then, I'll react to it. We'll keep our eye on the Sandoval thing. As I told you, the Padres are reportedly scouting the Red Sox, checking out Sandoval. And uh, James Shields, Padres pitcher perhaps linked to a potential trade? I don't know. I just, I don't think that's going to happen. Because if I'm San Diego and I'm scouting Sandoval right now, I'm not doing it because Sandoval's tearing it up in spring training and looks like he's in the best shape of his life and thinking to myself, well, we missed out on him in free agency. Let's try to make a move now. The reason I think I'd be scouting Sandoval is because I'd be saying to myself, well, maybe we can get him on the cheap. You know, if the Red Sox are just fed up, perhaps with his work ethic or being out of shape and, you know, they they just want to give Travis Shaw that spot, Perhaps we can take advantage of this situation, jump in and say, hey, we'll take Sandoval off your hands. We'll take this contract off your hands. And and maybe we can get Sandoval on the cheap. You know, that's me, the imaginary GM talking. I then you hear James Shields' name, and I'm like, well, I don't I don't know. I mean, is that you know, I'm not trying to call James Shields one of the best best pitchers in baseball, because I don't think he is, but you know, he's someone that you would like, you know you could use in the middle of your rotation as an, you know, as a number three starter, especially when Eduardo Rodriguez gets back. Um, he, people need to, again, need to understand, Shields is actually making more per year than Sandoval. Shields is making like $21 million a year, I think. It's just Sandoval has an extra year on his contract. Shields only has three years left on his deal, and I believe a total of $63 mil. Uh, Sandoval... He signed a five-year deal with the Red Sox, right? He's got four years left. Either way, Shields makes more, a couple more mil a year than Sandoval does. So if you're talking about the money, well, maybe that you have to reevaluate that part of the conversation. I, I just, to me, if Shields' name is involved in a trade for Sandoval, it doesn't make much sense from a San Diego perspective, right? It doesn't because you need pitching in this league I think Shields was somewhat disappointing for them when he had a three, ERA of 3.5 or something last year, 3.50 or 3.40. Um, you still, I don't think you want to give up on, on Shields just yet. You signed him to the big deal. You committed to that money. I think if you're looking for Sandoval, you're trying to get him on the cheap. And I don't know that trading Shields for Sandoval is necessarily getting Sandoval on the cheap. In fact, I, if, again, if you're the Red Sox, you know, I'm not going to argue that trade. You'd like some more pitching. You can never have too much of it. You know, you spend the money anyways. You want to put Shaw at third base? Heck, I mean, for all we know, they make that move. They put Shaw at first base and move Hanley over to third. I don't know. But I'm not going to sit here and argue with the Red Sox if that's a move that they want to make to get some more pitching, even though I do think as much as I've knocked Sandoval, I'm, I'm willing to give him another year. I am. I'm willing to see how motivated he can be, especially with someone like Shaw, you know, battling right up his ass. And with the little competition there, maybe that's the thing that gets Sandoval motivated, something he didn't seem to be coming into spring training. Didn't seem too motivated. The words coming out of his mouth, the way he looked, a combination of it all. On top of it now, he's a little banged up trying to get back 
uh, in shape and trying to get healthy from a little bit of a back injury. So we'll keep an eye on that storyline and any other Red Sox storyline that there may be between now and opening day on Monday. In the meantime, I have been paying attention, as you know, to the Stanley Cup playoff races in the National Hockey League and the NBA playoff races in pro basketball. And last night, the Clippers beat the Celtics 114-90 in L.A. I thought this was going to be an interesting game in the first five, six minutes. Both teams was exchanging buckets. Uh, You know, you got that big block from Isaiah Thomas on Chris Paul. I'm going, okay, Celtics don't have Jay Crowder in this game once again, and they could have used him last night. But they're going to make this a game. They are. This is going to be an interesting game. And then the second quarter came. And then the Celtics' second unit came out. And you got guys like Zella and Olenek. And you got Rozier out there. I'm not a big Rozier guy. He can jump through the roof. He's athletic as you could be at any position. He's a re- It seems to be a rebounding point guard. But he can't shoot. And I just think he's too all over the place out there. I do. I think he's erratic. It just makes me uncomfortable. Yes, he can jump through the roof and he's athletic and can grab rebounds, but I'm just not a Rosier guy. From the small sample size that I've seen of him, maybe I need to see more. But in that small sample size, I'm just not a Rosier guy. So I think you got to get Crowder back in here. You got to you know get this rotation back to what it was. And they're saying Crowder could return Thursday night as they are in Portland to take on the Trail Blazers. But the Celtics lose last night, 114-90. to The Celtics now the five seed in the Eastern Conference. The five seed. They're in this battle with the Hawks, the Heat, and the Hornets for the three through the six seeds. And that can change because they're all right around the same place in the standings, a game behind each other. The Celtics now the five seed with 43 wins. They are a half game behind Miami for that four seed, and they are a game and a half actually behind Atlanta now for that three seed. And you know how big I think that three seed is? Because you get that three, you know, you get that three seed, that two to three, you avoid Cleveland in the second round, and Cleveland will be in the second round. If you could somehow avoid Cleveland till the Eastern Conference Finals, well, the way you do that is, you know, if if you get that two or the three seed, you know, you get the the four or the five, that's that's not good. That means you win that series, you play Cleveland in the second round. I mean, you got to win that series anyways. I get it. But you'd rather have the two or the three. You're not going to get the two because Toronto's there. You're trying to get that three. I mean, even if you tell me you get the six, I'd rather have the six seed over the four or the five. I would. Because you play the three, and if you win that series, they'll have a chance to win that series. If you win that, then you play the winner of the two versus the seven. And the second round. It's a set bracket in the NBA. But right now, the Celtics, with their loss last night, they're the five seed in the East. If the playoffs began today, they'd be playing the Miami Heat. Game one would be in Miami, but that could all change. The Celtics back in action Thursday night against the Portland Trailblazers. Then they play Friday night in Golden State, which is going to be must-see TV, and against the Lakers in L.A. on Sunday night. The final three games of the season. Interestingly enough, I mentioned the battle with Atlanta, Miami, and Charlotte for the three through the six seeds and the the order that they could finish. The Celtics' final three games, as weird as this is, are against Atlanta, Charlotte, and Miami. That's kind of crazy. Out of all the teams they could be playing, out of all the scenarios they could be in, 
the the battle for really the three seed right now is with Atlanta, Miami, and Charlotte. Those are the last three teams the Celtics play. That's kind of crazy to me. But the Celtics will try to bounce back against Portland, and it should be a good one because Portland's a scrappy team. Portland's an exciting team. And the Trailblazers right now are the sixth seed in the West with 39 wins. And then, of course, you go to Golden State, and you try to give Golden State their first loss at home. The Warriors battling for that regular season uh, record. I think they're going to get it. Who knows? Maybe the Celtics make that that battle for Golden State a little more interesting. But uh, that's what we had last night. Celtics lose to the Clippers uh, tonight. We got the Bruins in New Jersey going over to hockey for a minute. Last night, the teams that are battling with the Bruins, Detroit and Philly, they both won. Detroit won last night. Philly won last night, which means they both have 87 points. The Bruins have 88 points. If the playoffs begin right now, the Bruins are in the third-place team in their division with 88 points. Uh, They're looking behind them because Detroit has 87 and obviously one point behind the Bees and uh, Philly with 87. So you're watching out for those teams, but the Bruins tonight in New Jersey, you got to win this one. You got to beat this team. You got to beat the Devils. Devils have 80 points this year. Uh, they have 36 wins, but you should be you should be able to beat the Devils, especially on the road where the Bruins have been much better on the road than at home this season. So um, I'll keep an eye on that. Oh, and, and other NHL news. So I'll react to the Bruins game tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, I'm working on a couple Major League Baseball guests here late in the week as we get ready for opening day and opening weekend. But uh, oh, I also mentioned Michelle Beadle. I was trying to get her on. I had her on last year right before WrestleMania because WrestleMania is this Sunday. But she t- she told me she hasn't really been paying too much attention so far uh, uh, lately to the WWE. And I can understand that. I mean, she's busy. She works for ESPN. She's got a lot going on. Um, so I, you know, I'm not looking to put her in, in an uncomfortable spot. That's not what I'm doing. So we're, we're probably not going to have that segment. Maybe we'll have it after WrestleMania when she watches it. We'll, we'll try to figure that out. Uh, I know I had teased that and, and I was going to try to get that done, but that's not going to happen. Uh, but I am working on some major league baseball guests for, uh, later this week and other NHL news though, before I do give you some thoughts, cause I did watch Monday night raw last night. But in other NHL news, I got to mention this. Harvard's Jimmy Vesey, also Charlestown's Jimmy Vesey, he is not going to sign with the Nashville Predators. He could have signed with the Predators to, to join their playoff run the rest of this season. He's choosing not to do so. He's going to be able to pick his team in free agency this summer. I don't know how you could possibly knock him for that. He wants to choose where he wants to go, and that's fine. Uh, but that that's some big news because it seems like the Predators are pretty disappointed about it. But uh, whenever VZ's name comes up, I, I feel terrible because he's a great kid. And you know my street hockey movie, 363, The Road to the Southie 3-on-3? Three three. You know, we had cameos from Keith Yandel, New York Rangers defenseman Keith Yandel, and Boston Bruins forward Jimmy Hayes. They were in it. They had great cameos. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, please do. Please go watch it on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Uh, but we actually, and I think I've mentioned this a couple times, but I, every time I hear VZ's name in the national news, I, I think I just feel bad because we cut his scene out. We recorded a scene in that street hockey movie with Jimmy VZ, and we cut it out because, and it wasn't his fault. He was, 
He wanted to do it. He was willing to do it. And he did a nice job for what we were asking from him. But it was, it was poor planning on my part. Like, the way we recorded it, the way I did it, and I know he's a busy kid, and, and I didn't want to just bug him and tell him to do it again. Like, I wanted to record something else and sort of change it up, and, and I didn't want to be a pain in the ass. So I, we didn't end up getting him back involved in it, and we never, the scene that we had with him, um, it was just over the phone. We, like, recorded some phone call that we made because we were trying to recruit him to the team. It just, it never made the final cut. And it wasn't his fault. It, it was me. It was just a poorly planned segment. I mean, the idea was fine, but I set it up poorly. I think we sort of rushed it, and, and I just felt uncomfortable asking the kid to do it again and, and tweak some things. But it was, you know, it was my fault. It was on me. I set it up poorly, and uh, ultimately we didn't use the scene, and he didn't make the cut. But it's not, it wasn't because of him. It was because of me, and, and we really wanted him in it. Uh, but we just... There wasn't, there wasn't enough time to do that again, and I didn't want to be a pain in the ass. So he did not make... He, he was not in 363, but but we recorded a, a scene. Well, maybe one day we'll, we'll release that scene. <laughs> um, but every time... I just got to mention it, because every time I hear his name, uh, he's, I think he's going to have a very good professional hockey career, a, a very talented kid, and he actually beat us one year in the Celtic 3-on-3 street hockey tournament in real life. He was on a team that beat us. So, um, I, I, we wish him nothing but the best. Charlestown kid, you know, I'm a salty guy, but it, that, that doesn't matter. We, obviously, we, we are going to be rooting for him big time because he is a city kid. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll have a whole lot of success, and I do not blame him one bit for going out and wanting to pick his team. I mean, look, it's a luxury that you can have. Go, go do it. Take advantage of it. You don't want to go to Nashville? Don't go to Nashville. It's as simple as that. You don't, you don't, you don't have to do it. So don't do it. I don't know how you could possibly crush him for that. Uh, so that's the NHL news. I'll watch the Bruins tonight in New Jersey. I will react to it tomorrow. It's a game they should win, though. And as you know, with the teams right behind them in Detroit and Philly, now because Detroit in the division, and if they knock the Bruins out of the division, then you got to worry about Philly for a wild card with those two teams right up their ass. This is what you would call a must-win tonight against the team. That you should beat in the Devils. So moving on from that, I told you last night, along with the Celtics, I also watched Monday Night Raw because I'm trying to get caught up here before WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania week. Sunday is WrestleMania. Got some plans. Uh, We're going to my buddy's house to watch it, uh, to watch the event on Sunday. Should be fun. Only I kind of told you yesterday, I think, WWE is, and, and maybe it's because of injuries. You know, John Cena's injured. Seth Rollins is injured. I'll even throw Sting's name into that mix. Yeah, they're, they're putting him into the Hall of Fame, but I, I think if Sting never suffered that injury in that match against Seth Rollins earlier uh, this year or late last year, whenever that was, then perhaps he'd be on the card here and, and involved in some capacity. Daniel Bryan had to retire. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but... They are in a tough spot when it comes to, I think, major storylines. And sure, they're doing everything they can with the, with the guys that they have healthy and the storylines that they have in front of them. But it's just, I told you yesterday, I think this WrestleMania lacks some type of pop, some type of a, a major appearance or surprise finish, and maybe we'll get it. And, and that surprise will be the ultimate surprise, and we'll, you know, the next day on Monday, we'll say, oh, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool moment. 
in WrestleMania history. But, you know, this is the showcase of the Immortals. You know, you, I think they need a little bit more of a showcase. And, and the more I see John Cena sort of out there, what was he on the Today Show? He's promoting WrestleMania, which he's got to do. But how can John Cena be out there promoting WrestleMania and not be involved in the event, right? And he's not on the card. He's not in a match. So where do you go with him? Is he healthy enough to surprise us and actually fight at some point? Well, Shane McMahon, I told you, I didn't think that fight was going to happen. He came off the top rope last night, put Undertaker through a table. He kind of missed the elbow drop. And in fairness to Shane McMahon, I think the Undertaker was a little bit far off of the announce table. Like, I think he should have probably been a little bit closer to that turnbuckle. It's a tough leap. It's a pretty long jump for Shane O'Mac. He made the jump to the table. He didn't quite get to the Undertaker, but the camera angles, you know, the ones they're going to show you from here on out, you won't be able to actually see that he missed the elbow drop. Either way, it was pretty cool to see that, and if that's going to be a preview as to what you're going to see at WrestleMania and that Hell in a Cell, Shane O'Mac, you know, he always has these big jumps and these leaps, and he takes these bumps. He's going to take a couple big ones, and perhaps he takes one at the very beginning and he gets banged up to the point where maybe, you know, they're taking him out in a stretcher, and you get the John Cena appearance or the Seth Rollins appearance, or even people are saying maybe a Randy Orton. I don't know. Something to come save the day. But uh, we'll see how that one goes down and how WrestleMania goes down. But last night on Raw, interesting moment, the coach from ESPN, the coach, he came out and he made an appearance with the New Day, and Jonathan Coachman, he's a sports center anchor. He was with WWE back in the day. He came out and he announced that Sports Center is going to be broadcasting live from WrestleMania on Sunday in Dallas. Now you you remember last year around this time, Brock Lesnar was on ESPN and he actually was on ESPN again the other day. They now have a, a wrestler on Sports Center. I think every Tuesday night they do a little segment, quick segment with someone. I told you last year at this time. That And I, even when I had Michelle Beadle on, we talked about it. I said, hey, is ESPN in cahoots with WWE? Like, they got something going on. Like, is it a matter of time until we see some type of WWE event on ESPN? I think it is. And people get, you know, people who hate wrestling and love, you know, are big sports fans but hate wrestling, they hate this idea. They don't want ESPN anywhere near, anywhere near the WWE. But SportsCenter is going to be broadcasted on Sunday live from WrestleMania in Dallas. And, you know, you're going to see appearances from wrestlers. You're going to see Vince McMahon on there, Stephanie McMahon, probably Triple H. You're going to see those guys on the set. They're going to be doing interviews. I think it's going to be pretty cool. I do. And I think it's only a matter of time till there's some type of WWE event on ESPN. I really do. You know, I, I really believe we'll see that. And um, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know when it's going to be. But the the more that this sort of, I don't want to say partnership, but you know what I mean. The more these two sides collaborate, the more likely that is. And, and it's, I started to see it last year, and I told you, I told you, there was something going on. And the more you, you see a sports center anchor on Raw last night, and they announced SportsCenter is going to be at WrestleMania. Something's going on. You see these guys on ESPN all the time. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's good. Look, it's entertainment. 
All right. ESPN is also entertainment. As much as we say, well, they're in the sports industry. I get it. They're also in the entertainment industry. Okay. And uh, I mean, hey, if you don't like it, don't watch. I guess it's simple as that. Problem is, you're going to get a lot of people to watch. Because <laughs> there are a lot of people that, that enjoy the WWE that also enjoy watching a ball game or a hockey game or a basketball game or a football game, right? There are. And those people like watching ESPN. And when the WWE's on there, they're going to watch as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, we're just trying to play this week out. As I told you, I'm working on a couple Major League Baseball guests for later in the week. Friday, I'm going to give my Major League Baseball season predictions as part of my Picks Picks segment. You don't want to miss that. I'm here five days a week. Subscribe. Listen at dannypicard.com. Also, get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even though they're saying Instagram's changing, I don't see it. Now, yesterday, I, I told you I recorded a live Facebook video, and I'm going to be doing that. I ordered a mini tripod online. See, I go to the store yesterday. I won't even tell you what store I go to, because that store is not giving me any fucking money. So I'm not going to, I'm done giving the free reads, right? Especially when I'm putting videos on Facebook that are getting a thousand views in, in less than 24 hours. You know, I'm not giving you. I'm not giving companies free reads anymore. I'm done with that. But um, I go to a store yesterday. I try to get a mini tripod. And they're telling me I got to go online and order a connector. I can buy the tripod, but I got to order a piece online that connects it connects my phone to the tripod. So what I basically did was I left the store buying nothing. You know, if you listen to me, how I shop, which is not often. But when I do, I consider myself an online shopper. I do. I consider myself an online shopper. Even if I'm getting completely screwed in the process, I'll take the risk. Like, for example, over the weekend, uh, my sister and her husband with the baby, they, they were in town. Uh, they, my sister moved to New Jersey. He's from New Jersey. They were in town with the baby for Easter weekend. And we're sitting there, and he's got a link that, you know, he's got these Oakley sunglasses. And they might, they're probably fake, but they're $15 a pair. I say probably. They're definitely fake. But they look real enough. Well, I'm fine walking around with them. Don't, don't sit there and act like you never wore a pair of fake Oakleys in your life. All right? You have and you will again if they're nice enough and they look real. We bought them. I bought two pairs of Oakleys, $15 each online. I'm curious to see just how fake they look. They look as real as they could be online. But I'm okay with it. I consider myself an online shopper. I will shop online for something even if I'm getting screwed. I just can't wait to see if these sunglasses are in. So we bought a bunch of sunglasses for, for cheap, like 15 bucks a pair. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we get screwed in the process. But, you know, when I do get stuff online, that's where I feel more comfortable. And so I left the store yesterday and I bought this little mini tripod online for my phone, which means that that Facebook video you saw yesterday, and again, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. That's just a sign of things to come because the Facebook live video, I think, is pretty special, and we're really going to utilize it on this show. As you can see, uh, it's, it's working. Go look at it and look at the views there and what it's got in just, just one little two-minute video. So uh, it'll be a simulcast, a Facebook simulcast of sorts, and I think 
Should be pretty cool here moving forward. But uh, make sure you get that and subscribe to this podcast. I'm here every weekday. You can get the show whenever you want. And don't forget, go to beantownathletics.com. Give them a call, 617-282-4181. Or swing by the shop on Granite Avenue, Dorchester, to get your David Ortiz thank you t-shirt. The farewell tour officially begins on Monday. You might as well get your David Ortiz thank you t-shirt right here, right now at Bean Town Athletics. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.